Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Max Bernier, he's the leader of the People's Party of Canada. We're going to talk about gun laws, a moratorium on immigration. I don't know. Free speech. Personal responsibility. He's suing Warren Kinsella as well. That's pretty That's pretty awesome, actually. <laughs> I had Warren on my show, and he was a little irritated, and then... Um, he blocked me on Twitter. Now, I, all my Twitter accounts are gone now, so <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> We're still friends on Facebook. Max, thank you very much, my brother. Uh, I appreciate your time. I know you're really busy. Uh, we've gone through the history of the People's Party of Canada, how you got to where we are. So I don't think, I don't feel like we need to do too much in the personal. By the way, uh, your last interview with uh, Free, is his name? Uh, David uh, Viva Free. What a great, it was a great interview, man. I really appreciated it. You know, I've talked to you a few times, but uh, uh, I love those long-form interviews, man. So uh, that, w- that was great. I mean, I'm a big fan of his anyways. Uh, first time I found out or I heard about him was in, um, I think he was doing the Save Smooshy thing with uh, Phil Demers, the guy, the, the Marineland activist. Anyways, how you feeling these days in, in lockdown? Great, great. You know, uh, I'm a little bit tired, like uh, a lot of Canadians, about these uh, lockdowns that must end. But I can see uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I think uh, more and more people understand that it's against our constitution. Uh, it's uh, it's violated our rights and freedoms. And also, you know, it is not doing anything for our health. On the contrary, it is uh, not helping Canadians. We need to be out there. We, we need the, our schools to be reopened, our churches to be reopened, our businesses to be reopened, our life to be back. And uh, I think it will happen soon. I hope so. Tell us what uh, this moratorium on immigration looks like. It sounds kind of scary, I think, to the liberals or the left-leaning that think, well, immigration is the only way we grow the economy and grow our our talent base. Talk to us about what you're talking about, shutting down uh, immigration until we're, what, uh, until our employment situation is at least better. But what's what's your uh, idea of uh, a moratorium look like? Yeah, just before Jim speaking about that, I just want to go back a little bit with the policy that we had at the last uh, general election. Um, You know, we don't believe in mass immigration. We believe that this country is a great country and every person uh, that that, uh, wants to come to this country, they are welcome if they share our values. And I think, uh, you know, it's normal to ask that. So that being said, as you know, the Trudeau government right now uh, they believe in a polit- politics uh, of uh, mass immigration. That's their policy. And uh, we said during the last campaign, we just want to have uh, between 100,000 and 150,000 uh, newcomers every year instead of 350,000 
uh, that is the goal of the Liberal, Liberal Party of Canada. So that being said, that was our position. But after that, we have the recession. Uh, the unemployment rate uh, was going down, uh, was going up, sorry. So the unemployment rate was going up. And I said that we must have a moratorium until that situation will be better for Canadians because our goal is to help uh, Canadians first to work for this country first. And I said, we need to have a moratorium. So what we will do at the next general election, we will look at the unemployment rate and the economy, the economy here in this country, and we'll decide if we keep the moratorium or if we have the same policy that we had, a maximum of 150 newcomers in this country. And the big majority of these people must be economic immigrants. When I'm saying economic immigrants, it's a person that will come here because they have a job, because an entrepreneur was not able to find Canadians for that job. And he went, uh, uh, he looked uh, in other countries and he found a person. So we want to have people that will come here, will have a job. It would be easier for that person to integrate our society. And that person will participate in our social life right now. So they will participate in the economy instead of having a lot of uh, family reunification. That's what the Trudeau government uh, believes in, family reunification. So, you know, you can ask your grandmom and grand grandpa to, to come here, your brother and your sister, and they won't have a job. They will come in Canada because yourself, you are in Canada. But, uh, you know, we want people who will uh, help to build this country. And there's always a cost when you have uh, uh, more people coming on the family reunification, a cost for the society. So, and Trudeau is doing that to, to uh, absolutely, we must say that, to, um, to buy votes. Uh, in uh, some ridings in Canada, there's a lot of uh, new immigrants there and they want to see their family. And so uh, he is uh, answering to that uh, request. And that's why he increased the family reunification uh, by, I don't remember the numbers, but I think it was 50,000 people a year or something like that. Right. I'm not so sure on the number okay. number right now, but uh, he more than doubled the family reunification uh, people coming under that uh, that uh, rubric, uh, if you compare that with what we had when I was uh, in government with Stephen Harper. So that's uh, our, our position on immigration. And you're right to say that right now, because the unemployment rate is uh, still high, we uh, want to have a moratorium on immigration. How do you, uh, I've been called many things since I became moderate. I'm, moderate is now radical somehow. I was a lefty, but before the lefty went completely berserk, the left used to stand for free speech, for peace, for anti-war, all, all kinds of great things. I mean, my first election was 1993. I was 24 years old. What an experience. And I've run 10 times since. I never thought I'd run again, but you've given me hope. But I get called Oh, like everything. And you must be wearing the same thing. I want to know how you combat the xenophobic, bigot, you know, uh, labels that you get. And where does it come from? You figure it's like I know mainstream media isn't covering you hardly at all, forget fairly. But where does it come from and how do you stand up against it? Like, how do you combat that? Because once the word gets out, I mean, we saw it with Proud Boys. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a drinking group. You know what I mean? <laughs> they started out by giving security details to conservative speakers at, at uh, universities because they were unsafe. Suddenly now, 
they're lumped in with the Tiki Torch guys and Charlottesville. And so I just want to know how you stand against that kind of stuff. Well, you stand by telling the truth, by telling mm. to people who you are. And, and I believe at the end, the truth will always uh, prevail. And yes, it's a tough time right now. It's a tough time for uh, policies based on facts like what we are doing at the TPC. Um, you know, and uh, you know, I, I had a, a word of encouragement from the former leader of the Reform Party of Canada, Preston Manning, after the last election. And maybe you know that story. Preston <coughs> called me because uh, yes, the mainstream media and the Conservative Party of Canada and Kinsella did everything to discredit the PPC. And Kinsella was saying that I was a racist, a Nazi. And so uh, I'm suing him uh, personally. I'll be in court in Toronto this June. It has been postponed because of the uh, COVID-19 crisis. And I will win that case. Mm -hmm. But just to go back after the election, I, I had a call from Preston and he said, Maxime, it's too bad what they did to you. Mm -hmm. I know that it's not true. But, you know, they, they did the same thing with me when I created the Reform Party uh, in the really? 1990s. Really? And the, my first election was the worst one. Uh, I was fighting against uh, people who were saying that I was a racist. Yeah. And But at the second election, uh, it, it, they tried to do that, but it, they were not successful because it was not true. And I'm pretty sure that the next election, uh, they, they won't be able to... Uh, say that again because you you are proving by your day-to-day -day actions that you're not a, a, and you've never been a, a racist. So it won't it won't hurt like he did like it did for the first election. And I strongly believe that um, uh, they don't have any proof. And that's why for me it is important to uh, sue Kinsella and, and having my reputation back. And I'm pretty sure, Jim, that when I'll be in court. Uh, and the mainstream media will cover that. Uh, I'm pretty sure because they are calling the office right now. They want they want to know the date of uh, our hearing. Uh, so they'll be there and, and they will cover that uh, because at the end, you know, we we all that happened because Kinsella signed a contract with the Conservative Party of Canada. So mm -hmm. and I, as you know, the mainstream media are mostly liberal. So uh, they will uh, follow that just to hurt the conservatives, mm -hmm. and um, and the truth will be uh, will be public. So uh, it was a tough time, but I believe that the future will be uh, way uh, way better. I almost feel like I wish you'd change your mind on getting a, a you know an activist uh, pit bull like Kinsella because politics is a. Is, is a dirty game. I mean, I don't t need to tell you. It's a filthy, dirty game. And you don't you need a guy to get down in the mud in the war room and <laughs> fight dirty like the other guys do? Or do you think that holding your principles and being above that is going to pay off in the end? I believe being above that. Uh, you know, people are tired of uh, traditional establishment politicians. And, you know, when you're telling the truth and, and who you are, I think they appreciate that. And they appreciate the fact that uh, we don't try to pander to every special interest group. And I'm always saying to my team and people who are helping us and working for us uh, at the PPC at the head office, uh, what you're doing right now, it's like working in, a, in an office uh, uh, with a glass wall around you. So everything that you're doing right now, 
have in mind that it can be in the front page of the Global Mail. <laughs> and if you're not able to defend that and to argue against what you for what you're doing, uh, forget it. Don't do it. Uh, at the end, everybody knows everything uh, about uh, what you want to do. Uh, and so and the people who are with us uh, share our philosophy, our principles, and uh, we uh, we're not doing dirty politics. Um, it's the old way to do politics, but maybe it can take more time to uh, to 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 be successful. But I prefer that than uh, than, uh, and it's not my style. You know, sometimes some people are telling me, Maxine, you must be a little bit more aggressive. You must be a little bit, uh, you know, you're doing interview, you're smiling, and and, and you must be sometimes more aggressive. And and I think so, sometimes people, I can express what I believe in uh, with uh, more strongly. Uh, and that's what I'm doing, you know, uh, that's what uh, I try to do. I try to speak with passion and conviction and try to convince people that we, um, we have the best ideas for a more prosperous and free country. You're, I've described you as the only political leader that I can get behind right now. And I've, well, the glasses I wear to see the world have changed over the last five years. I don't know if it's my age. I'm 52 now. I'm certainly not 24 like I was when I ran for the Green Party for the first time in 1993 against Gibby Parent. Like, I mean, we're <laughs> really we're really going back. And Gibby Parent was a great man. I mean, Terry St. Annam ran as the conservatives, and we had some natural law floating on Ruggs party. But I've described you as the only political leader that I can get behind. Everything... I think you've got most of your policies nailed. I like the moratorium on immigration is, is, you know, as radical as that sounds. Um, I love your stand on free speech. Uh, I want to talk to you about how that uh, your, your effect in the uni- universities, what you're doing there. Uh, I'm against transitioning children. I think I've, <laughs> I've got your support there. I'm anti lockdown, anti mask. I'm starting to call you, <laughs> don't let this go to your head, but you're kind of like the Jordan Peterson of politics because you're the only one, the only one that's talking about what what it's most important today in today's world, I think, personal responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility to feed you and to get, get you know, make sure that people don't hurt your feelings. Uh, so I, I love that. I love what you're doing with Kinsella because, I mean, I wish I had a lawyer <laughs> that I could call every time somebody called me a Nazi for defamation, a libel or whatever, because it happens all the time. So I think that's a smart move. Um, uh, you know, radical decentralization. I'd like to do you to speak a little bit more about what that looks like, because it sounds all scary, but smaller government, even. And I think I've come around on pipelines for crying out loud. And a buddy of mine is in the ammonia fuel business, which is a winner. He's had a long, hard time getting it off the ground because big oil, right? It's a, it's a, it's a nasty business, but we can use our existing pipelines and we have a certain amount of infrastructure for ammonia already. You can burn it with water vapor as, uh, as, uh, as the uh, discharge, you know? So, uh, talk to me a little bit about radical decentralization. I love the idea of decentralization. It's a Green Party policy where you allow the people closest to the problem, the resources, money, and the power to fix that problem. Because Ottawa doesn't know what's best for Streetsville or Ridgeway or Fort Erie or Niagara-on-the-Lake. You know, and we have two levels of government here in the region. I think the Niagara region should be absolutely abolished. We don't need a bigger 
further away uh you know group of people that are passing laws for the small we can we just go back to 12 counties like 12 cities so right now we have 12 plus the region so that's 13 entities i think that's how it goes but talk to me about what the ppc's view of radical decentralization looks like and what does it accomplish max yeah, I think it's a concept that is very important. And you're right to say, you know, the best government is a government that is near people. Uh, we call that the uh, subsidiarity principle. Uh, that's why, and our constitution is based on that. You know, if you look at our constitution, when you have to interact with uh, your politician, usually it's at the provincial level. Your politician is in charge of uh, daycare, uh, healthcare. Uh, everything in your day-to-day -day life, usually it's a provincial government. And the federal government in our constitution is in charge of inter-provincial uh, um, uh, things like transportation, international affairs, monetary, uh, monetary uh, policy. And so things that are uh, more on the uh, national uh, and international uh, Part. So our constitution was based on that principle. The more the the, the father of our constitutions wanted to give responsibilities, the most important responsibilities at the provincial level, and so that's why if you look at our constitution, uh, that's the principle uh, behind our constitution, uh, at the foundation of our constitution. So yes, and and I was saying that I was in an, uh, in. A, Alberta when I delivered that speech and it was really well received uh, because uh, that's an answer to uh, the challenges that we have in this country. It's an answer for uh, pipelines, being able to build pipelines. It's an answer for also the equalization formula that is unfair for people out west and also people in Quebec. And, and in Alberta, you know, they, they want to have more autonomy at the financial level. And I said, you can do it. You know, you can be like Quebec. We had our own uh, case depot, pension fund. You can have your own police force. You can um, uh, you can uh, have more private delivery in healthcare, like we have in Quebec with some uh, private uh, clinic clinics. So, so there's a lot of things you can have your own income income tax if you want, uh, uh, like Quebec. So, I, my message to them was uh, first of all, if you want more autonomy, take what you have, what the constitution is giving you, and for me at the federal level. I will uh, I will work for being sure that every province uh, is able to have more autonomy, and I think that would be a win for Alberta, a win for Quebec, a win for other provinces. Uh, and uh, and you don't need the beauty of that. You don't need to reopen the constitution or to change the constitution. Uh, and I think they appreciate that. And, and this we must know that the Western alienation it is not something. Mm. Uh, uh, that, uh, you know, there's no impact there. There's a huge impact uh, in the poll over there and the survey over there. About 35% about of Albertans are ready to separate. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a huge anti-Ottawa sentiment in Alberta. Sure. And I told them, if you want to be independent, uh, it must start at the financial level. Uh, you know, we had the PQ uh, yeah. in government a long time ago, and, and that was their position, the independence. We had two uh, referendums on that. So if, if you want to do something, do something at your provincial level and, and don't vote for the Maverick Party. The Maverick Party is an independentist, regional Western party. And I told them, you know, your best chance 
it's us, the PPC, uh, because before being independent, you will vote at the federal level and you need somebody who share your values. And I was very happy to see that uh, these people that believe a little bit in the uh, separation of Alberta, and but also they like they like our country, but uh, they, for them, they, they're kind of being forced to be uh, independentist because of uh, Ottawa and the Trudeau government and also the uh, the conservative because nobody acknowledge mm. that uh, there's a unity a challenge in this country. We are and we have the policy for that. So the speech on radical decentralization that I just explained a little bit of that was very well received. And if your viewers uh, want to uh, read this, read the speech. It's on our website, People's Party of Canada. and on our YouTube channel, uh, the people, the uh, People's Party of Canada official YouTube channel. What does uh, under the PPC leadership? What would unification of the West look like? And and speak to me about this idea of the equalization of the provinces, so it's not you know so. Um, you know, favoring one over the other. What's that look like under a PPC government? Yeah, first of all, uh, you know, to change the equalization formula to be less generous, we must uh, say that, because now there's no incentive to provinces to develop, develop their own natural resources first. Uh, and you need to change the formula. You need to, uh, uh, to be less generous to give them an incentive. I'll give you an example. That uh, formula exists since uh, 1957. Uh, and Quebec is a poor province under that formula since uh, 1957. I don't believe that Quebec is a poor province anymore. So why Quebec is a poor province? Because in the uh, calculation of uh, in the calculation for that formula, uh, all the energy coming from oil and gas it is part of the formula. So if you have a lot of oil and gas, you're a rich province. But all the energy coming from hydroelectricity, like Quebec. It is not part of the formula. So that's a big, uh, a big reason why Quebec is a poor province. So you need to change this formula. And I used to say that about maybe five economists in this country understand the formula. It must be a formula that is simple and that would give the right incentive. Actually, right now in Quebec, there's no incentive to develop their shale gas because if they do that, Quebec will uh, become richer and they will have less equalization money coming from Canada. So there, there's no incentive also for New Brunswick to develop their own natural resources. So what I said to Canadians in the West, you don't need to pass it. First of all, to change the equalization formula and being less generous, you don't need to change the constitution. Uh, you don't need to have any consultation with provinces because it's under the jurisdiction of the federal government. You don't need to pass a legislation at the federal level it will be after a decision from the cabinet meeting, uh, the federal cabinet uh, meeting. You can start the meeting at nine o'clock. Usually the cabinet meetings are the uh, Wednesday every week. Wednesday morning, nine o'clock, you have your cabinet meeting. You put on the agenda the new formula uh, that would be less generous. And at 12 o'clock, it is approved by the cabinet and it is enforced. So, so you need to have the courage to speak about that and to explain that. And, uh, and I'm doing that in French in Quebec. And so, but the Conservative Party of Canada won't do that uh, because for them, you know, they try to appeal to uh, the Eastern Canada, Quebec, and also the Atlantic provinces. And they think that if they open that and speak about that, they won't have any support. 
I think the opposite. The more you think about that, if you like this country, if you want every province to be prosperous, you need to change that. Now, I... I'm, I don't think I'm going to change your mind on this, but I'm not a big fan of first past the post. I know you're not a big fan of proportional representation, at least not in this round uh, of elections, maybe never. I don't know. But talk to me like I am just so tired. I mean, Stephen Harper's government that you're a, a part of was elected with 37 percent of the popular vote. That's hardly a majority. Now, you know, when I was a green, obviously, we used to complain, well, we're getting 5 percent of the vote. We want 5 percent of the seats. That's basically the way proportional representation works. So what's your resistance to that style of of election? Uh, I mean, Trudeau was elected by telling us this was the last election under FTPP or FTTP. And so uh, I want your thoughts on that. And also, how do you make a difference? Mike Schreiner has made a hell of a difference as a provincial uh, um, activist before he was elected. Now he's in um, in the in the House. But he was really well, uh, he was effective at making connections with people before he was elected, at getting policy changed. So, and then, of course, I want want your thoughts on what your chances are in your own riding. Like, will Max Bernier be in the next parliament? Yeah, so about changing our system. uh, Yeah, you're right. It's not the best one. It's a good system, but it's not the best one. That's um, the same thing for every democracy. So that being said, because we uh, may have to change the constitution to do that. Uh, And if you open that, you know, all our reforms that we are promoting at the PBC are in line with the constitution. And you don't need, it's it's reform that are uh, realistic politically that you can do uh, without having this uh, discussion with every provinces on the constitution first. Second, if you have good ideas and we believe that we have the best ideas for this country, you must be able to convince people about that. Yes, it's a little bit more difficult with the system actually that we have, but I don't say no forever. It's not part of the platform right now. Maybe it can change, but also I think we have a lot of reform to do that are most important than that reform that will have a huge impact on our lives uh, if you do this reform, the taxation Mm -hmm. reform, the equalization reform, the uh, end of the uh, Paris Accord reform, uh, uh, building pipelines and, and a lot of reforms that we must focus on. And, uh, and for me, that's not a priority. But that being said, uh, we may change. But right now, uh, it is not that's why that's why it is not part of, uh, of the party. So about myself, yes, I will, uh, I will be back in the, my former riding, I will run there in both. It's a riding south of Quebec City, near the border of the state of Maine. And so it's a riding that is half rural, half urban. And um, and I didn't win with uh, 28% of the vote last time. So uh, I, w- I and we did a poll last fall in both uh, because for me as a leader of the PPC, my first uh, priority is to be back in the house. Um, and I look at other ridings in uh, Northern Ontario, in Alberta. Uh, we will look in a couple of ridings with my name as a candidate. And the best uh, chances that I have to be elected is to go back in both because, you know, I was I, I didn't win with 28 percent and I was at 29 percent when we did the, the poll. So so uh, 29, if you want to be elected, maybe you just have to gain five points and, and you'll be elected. 
And uh, so I'll campaign there and uh, I hope I'll be elected. I'll do my best there. And uh, I hope also I won't be the only one. We can have some candidates that will be elected next time. But at the same time also, I think personally that will grow our percentage of the vote from 1.6 uh, to maybe four or five percent. Oh, definitely. And, and at that time, that's a big change mm -hmm. because uh, if you have four percent, uh, I'll be part of the national debates after that. And I think the media will look at us a little bit more seriously. Uh, they are not right now because we don't have anybody elected in the parliament. But uh, I strongly believe that they will speak a little bit about us at the next general campaign. Um, because for them, we are uh, a competition to the Conservative Party of Canada. And as you know, uh, the mainstream media are more leftist than, uh, than centre-right. So if we uh, are hurting the Conservative with our policy, I think they will cover us a little bit more. And people will know at the end that we are the only real Conservative, uh, fiscal, responsible political party in Canada. Uh, what star candidates are you looking at? I know that you've got a call out for candidates. You're in the process of nominating them. I guess, what is it, 338 now uh, ridings? Yes. Yeah. Uh, do you have your eye on, I heard you extend a hand to Pierre the other day. Man, the guy is genius, like a great communicator. He's good on the economic issues. I think he's principled. I can't believe I'm saying that about a conservative guy. But have you got your eye on... Um, other, uh, you know, superstar candidates or, or star candidates that might help raise the profile of the PPC. And if you don't, then what type of people do you look at like Pierre that you said, well, that that guy would be a good fit or that woman would be a good fit with the PPC? Yeah, uh, for, for, I must I must say that. And I tweeted about that, that I called Pierre. Uh, I left a message in his uh, voicemail. He didn't answer my call, but I told him, you know, you're welcome in our party. We share the same values. Don't mm -hmm. waste your time with that party. I said three years ago that this party is morally and intellectually corrupt. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you have a, pro a proof right now with your, uh, uh, the way that the leader is uh, treating you, you know, uh, the demotion that you just had. Um, he didn't call me back, but it's okay. So uh, I think he knows that uh, our doors are open, so that's the most important. Uh, and we want to have, you know, candidates that are maybe not well known uh, in uh, nationally in Canada, but uh, if they're well known in their writings, uh, I think that's a big plus. Um, people who um, uh, who uh, did uh, did work in their writing and they're 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 helping their their community. What if they're well uh, they're hate known for that? What so, if they're so well that, hated uh, in their writing? <laughs> <laughs> no, for good but, reasons. And, and, people, and people who share our values, that's the most important. So we'll see what will happen. But we have a couple of good candidates uh, that will be back with us. And now they're a little bit more well-known because they did the first election with us in 2019. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I strongly believe that we'll have a nice uh, team of people. Uh, actually, for the, the the selection of our candidates, it's going well. Uh, if uh, if you if you know uh, people who uh, want to be a candidate, they have until the Monday. It's open. Uh, we're, okay. doing, uh, uh, we're doing we're doing a. a 
uh, interviews with them on uh, on um, uh, social media and using oh, really? the, yeah. Uh, the yeah the Zoom uh, social media and using that to do interview with each of them. We are in the process to do that right now. And our goal, I must admit, that uh, if we have an election this spring, it would be uh, very hard for us to have a full slate of candidates, 338 candidates in every riding. Uh, but I don't believe that we'll have an election this uh, spring. We do our best to be ready. But if we have an election next fall, we'll have a candidate in every riding and uh, every Canadian will be able to vote for the PPC. Tell me what uh, a country as great as Canada looks under, uh, looks like under a Maxime Bernier leadership. Just give the, the, the layman, you know, people that are not political, that don't watch the news every day, that really care about the issues that you're passionate about. What are some of the major changes that if you, if you had a majority government, I know that's a little bit of a dream, but hey, maybe a couple election cycles from now, you know, it doesn't need to be. Uh, you know, and I know you're not a fan of, Paul, of polls and kind of tweaking your vision to fit, you know, what everyone else is talking about and feeling supportive of. But what would a, what would a, a Canadian, uh, what would Canada look like if it was governed by a PPC under Max Bernier? Well, first of all, it would be a most freer and prosperous country. Why? Because uh, you have more money in your pockets. We will uh, change the tax system to give you more of your money. And we'll do that by also cutting spending. Uh, you know, we won't uh, give $1.2 billion to the CBC. We'll cut that. Uh, you won't receive, if you're a business, an entrepreneur, you won't receive any subsidies or grants from the federal government. We'll have a fair tax system. It will be a flat rate at 10%. No, and we can save another $5 billion there. Uh, we will put Canadians first. Uh, no more foreign aid. Uh, we'll bring back that money. We can have about $6 billion that we can save and helping Canadians first. Uh, provinces will be more autonomous and, uh, and they will, we won't interfere in provincial jurisdiction. We will respect the constitution. Yes, we will uh, radical decentralize uh, this uh, country. Um, and, and the federal government will be in charge of its own responsibilities in the constitution. Uh, so, and you'll have pipelines across this country and we will use the constitution because like I said in the beginning, we are able to build pipelines in this country. It's uh, under a federal jurisdiction. Um, it's uh, interprovincial uh, transportation and interprovincial transportation. It's 100% under the responsibility of the federal government. So under the section 9210 of the constitution. So yes, we'll be able to have pipeline that would be safe and secure for the population and for the environment. Because you may remember the tragedy in Lake Megantic that we had in Quebec. And I think it's easy to convince people that transporting oil and gas by pipelines instead, instead of by truck or, or trains, it is safer for the environment and, and, and our population. And we are in 2021. We can build uh, very secure pipelines uh, today. So that would, that would be different. Uh, we, uh, we will have free speech. Uh, if in a university you don't respect our free speech uh, policy, you won't receive any grant Yay. or subsidies from the federal <laughs> government. Uh, we won't do any censorship on social media. 
so uh, you, you and we, because we believe that people are free and responsible it's going together if you say something you are responsible of what you're saying uh, but it's not the role of the government to uh, tell you what we want to hear or not. Uh, we'll have free speech. And for us, uh, when you, if you insult somebody, it's not hate speech. We have a, a clause in the in the criminal code against hate speech, and we we uh, we just need to follow that. We must not need uh, more uh, regulations on that. So people would be free to express themselves. Uh, we won't uh, buy, uh, buy the media like the Trudeau government is doing by giving uh, grants and subsidies to all the mainstream media. Uh, we believe if you're a good media, you'll be able to uh, finance yourself with your uh, uh, viewers or people who like what you're saying. So it's not the role of the government to um, give money to media. We want the media to be independent from the government, not dependent from the government. That would be another change. Uh, and, and you can just go on our website and read our platforms. It's all about that. Immigration will have fewer immigrants. Uh, people who will come here will uh, be able to integrate our society, believing in our values, will have a, a stronger Canada. So that's why, you know, I'm in politics. And I think that's why uh, we will win. And maybe I won't be prime minister, like you said, after the next general election. But maybe after the other one, we have to be patient. We have to be out there to speak about our ideas. And that's what we are doing. I should add also that Jordan, Justin Trudeau is looking to raise immigration to over 400,000 for the next yes. year. And meanwhile, Roxham Road is letting people in on a daily basis all day. And we talked about this last time. They come along, they come across illegally with their Gucci bags. They get picked up by border services, put in an ambulance, taken to a hotel where they're to wait for their welfare payments that equal more than my father gets on CCP. I don't want to delve into that too much. Talk to us a little bit about accountability, Max. You I believe you when you say, listen, I'm not promising the moon and the stars. Therefore, I don't have to renege on that when I'm elected. I don't take polls. We don't look at public opinion. We're not doing what's popular. We're doing what we think is right. And God bless you, Max. Like there aren't principled politicians like you that we see. I think there's a few, but not many. Even on, uh, you know, whether left or right, there's very few. What do we do about accountability? We've got a guy elected with a, a, a minority government that's made his bed with the NDP or the the, CP, the, the CPC, depending yeah. on whoever's going to support him at the time. But Jagmeet Singh is is enabling corruption with this man. And then he sits there as opposition or whatever, chirping him. But what what are your thoughts on, you know, you say one thing, we're going to legal, this is the last election under FTTP. We elected them. You know, we're going to legalize, well, we legalize marijuana, but th this is the style of government. Here's our platform, elect us. Oh, well, now we're just going to do what we want. How do we make politicians more accountable? And, you know, I don't, I don't think you're going to say, well, we just vote them out the next election. That's just, that's a platitude that doesn't work for me. Well, how, how do we get accountability back in politics? Well, you know, first of all, by 
electing people that are uh, responsible and, and, and that are uh, that their integrity is uh, is there. Um, you know, you have a lot of uh, career politicians and, and that they just want to have a job and not working for their people. Uh, you know, I was in the private sector before for 18 years in the financial sector. I went into politics for changes. Uh, always fighting for the same ideas. If you look at the videos that I did 10 years ago, hey, I'm saying the same thing today. So it, it, it's our responsibility to, to be out there. And sometimes people are voting for a politician just because of the look of the politician and not looking at their, at their ideas and, and not looking deeply in their platform. And I can understand that if you, I don't know, uh, uh, as a citizen, buy a new car, you will look around and find and, and, and go on the market and which one is the best one for me and you do your work. I think you must do the same thing when you go and, and you vote for a politician. Just do your research. And that's why I believe people are intelligent and they're responsible and, and they must do that. We, we have the politician that we merit at the end. So I believe that um, you know these politicians like Trudeau and, and the establishment politician at the next general election, uh, people will have an opportunity to tell them you know goodbye. But also at the same time, sometime we as uh, as uh, uh, Canadians and, and people who will vote in the next election, we are voting uh, usually. Uh, against something, you know, uh, we want to get rid of Justin Trudeau, we'll vote for the party that will take, re replace uh, Justin Trudeau and, and the Liberals. But I'm asking people, vote for your values, vote for what you believe. And, and you know, step by step, the change will come. Uh, so that's important also for us. We are asking people, go and read our platform, go and see what we believe in. And I'm pretty sure that we share the same values. But yes, we have corrupt politicians, the liberals, the conservatives, and don't play their game. Don't play their game. And, and that's why I think the next election will have a, a it will be a, a good opportunity for the PPC to be well known about our policies and, and we'll see what will be the result. You know, if we have uh, five or six uh, MPs in Ottawa, we can change the debate. And I think that's the most important. We can change the debate and having that national discussion on our platform. Now the other politicians are too afraid to speak about the real challenges that we are having in this country. So I'm confident that people at the end uh, will do the best choice for, for them and for the country. And um, my, only, uh, my only challenge is to have the same kind of visibility that as a leader of a party, uh, like the other leaders, and that would be a big challenge. So we'll see what will happen. Talk to me about this group that you've got out west, this uh, activist group about getting uh, our country back to work. And how's that? How's that working for you? What's it called again? I, I can't find anything on the news here. I should be more prepared. The uh, and the lockdowns caucus. Yeah. Or yeah, the caucus. Yeah. yeah. So. So it's people, uh, we have a member from uh, provincial uh, parliaments, a provincial legislature that are with us. And we're about maybe 50 members right now. And uh, you can go and see what we're doing on the website, libertycoalitioncanada.com and, and the lockdowns national caucus. And our goal is to give some courage to uh, uh, elected representatives at the municipal, federal, or uh, provincial levels 
to be out there and be vocal against the lockdowns. And we have the best, uh, we have the data now after a year. We know that that uh, virus um, is not killing everybody. You know, 99% of people who had the virus, uh, they're, they're, they're in life, you know, they're, they're living. And the only people that it's very difficult for them is, as you know, is the older people. Um, but uh, we can reopen our business, we can reopen our churches, we can, uh, you know, we need to have our life back. And that's the goal of that End the Lockdown Caucus. Uh, actually, we'll do some uh, rally um, this spring, uh, beginning of April, uh, try to rally people and, and pushing a little bit uh, politicians to have the courage to end all that. If you look in the States, there's uh, Florida, there's Texas and other states. Uh, I've been told that 15 states are 100% open, uh, no mandatory mask, no lockdowns, uh, students are going to school, uh, restaurants are open without any restrictions. So we must do the same thing here. And that's the goal of that. We'll do, uh, we are working on the rally that we want to do in early, early April. And I'll, uh, I'll inform you about that, but we are working on that in Toronto or in Montreal or uh, Calgary. So we'll decide that. But our goal is to give more courage. And the more people would be part of that caucus, the more uh, you know, elected representative at the municipal level, the better it would be. So uh, I was very pleased with that initiative from uh, uh, Randy Hillier, in, uh, he's a member of the Legislative Assembly in, uh, in uh, Ontario, myself and Derek Sloan, and now we have more people on board. So uh, it will come, but uh, the um, fastest, fastest way to have our eco economy open is to to be out there and to i'm asking people you know speak with your politician at the provincial level federal level your your people that are at your uh, town uh, council speak with them and tell them that you're fed up with that the more we would be the better it would be for for our freedom and our cause uh, just on the way out, I'd like you to uh, just refresh our memory on the portfolios that you held and then turn that into a stump speech and we'll say goodbye to our audience. I'm going to keep you on, though. I'll uh, talk to you uh, offline for a bit. So, yeah, your portfolios, I was really impressed when you were talking to Free the other day that, uh, man, you've, you've got some real experience. You're not, you know, you've been elected before. You've been in these portfolios. You have major responsibilities. So talk to us a little bit about the portfolios that you've, you've held previously in previous governments. Yeah, so I, I decided to uh, uh, try to be elected the first time in 2006 uh, with Stephen Hopper. And um, at that time, before that, I was, like I said, working in the private sector. I was a VP of an insurance corporation uh, based in uh, Edinburgh in Scotland. Uh, I was also um, a VP for a bank, a national bank in Quebec. So I was uh, working the financial sector before and so for me uh, that was a good time to be in politics and, and fight for what i believe in so as soon as i was elected i was the industry minister and uh, we did a big deregulation and in, in the telecom industry uh, your the price of your uh, a cell phone went down and it's still very competitive in, in this country. So, and after that, uh, I've uh, been uh, uh, moved to foreign affairs. I was a foreign affairs minister for this year or something like that. And after that, I resigned. I was back in cabinet a couple of years later. 
as a minister for small business and tourism and after that minister of state for agriculture so i had a couple of portfolio uh, with the upper government uh, and yes i think i have a good experience in uh, in politics um, and in managing uh, managing portfolio managing department and uh, so i resigned as you know but first of all i run for run for the leadership of the conservative party of canada uh, and in 2017 i didn't win with 49% of the vote and that's why we created the ppc because the consultation for uh, the best platform the best ideas for the, the for the country was the consultation that i did consultation in brackets like uh, that i did when i was running to be the leader of the conservative party of canada and with 49% of support I said these ideas are very popular. Uh, and I tried to um, convince the establishment of the Conservative Party and uh, and uh, and Boucher to to take some of our ideas. Didn't uh, didn't take any. And and Boucher said publicly that you know uh, uh, Bernier, what he's doing is doing that for himself. He does not represent uh, the party. And and he, they told me that they won't take any of my ideas at the next campaign. And actually, they did it. So that's why I resigned and I said, I don't want to waste my time. And we created the PPC based on that platform. Uh, it's too important for the future of this country. And I think after a year, uh, we had a good, uh, the first election, first year, we had a, a good success because if you compare that, and you know that you were with the Green Party a long time ago, uh, it took 20 years and six elections to have more than 1.6% of the vote. And we did that in our first election. So now we will grow and I'm pretty uh, optimistic and realistic at the same time that uh, our ideas will go through and people will be able to listen to our ideas during the next campaign and know that uh, in comparison, we don't, uh, we're doing politics differently. And that's not a slogan, that's the reality. Uh, and I think doing politics based on principle, it's new in this country, but um, uh, the more people will know us, the better it will be. You got that right. Uh, thank you very much. Paul Layton says, I support conservatives who stand with Maxime Bernier <laughs> in the comments on the <laughs> Facebook page. We're going to say goodbye to our audience right now. I'm going to keep you on the line uh, just for a couple minutes. Uh, Maxime Bernier is my guest in here. Let's just go here so you can see his, his, uh, there he is. Okay. There's the PPC. That's how you get him. The People's Party of Canada. This is how you get him on Twitter at Max Bernier, at Maxine Bernier, sorry. And then here's his uh, his fake book page. So you guys are out, and I'm going to keep Max on. Peace.